everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And we are here today doing a little radio show we've been doing now for a few years uh, called Solid Steps Radio. And if you're like, well, what are you all about? Well, Kurt and I got together seven years ago or so and said, hey, well, let's do a radio show for men. And as our primary audience, we know a lot of ladies listen too. Thank you for doing that. But we wanted to talk to guys on in their language from their perspective about things that they do not talk about enough. We talk about sports, weather, and politics very easily as men. But how do we talk about things past that, things that impact our families, culture, uh, and, and the most important things really for eternity, right? So we knew that there was more to life. So we, wanted, we believe at Solid Steps Radio that you're walking solidly, taking steps as a man, and you're not fulfilling that destiny as a man if you are not walking in and with Jesus Christ. Now, uh, that everywhere, people are on different uh, places in their walk with God. Some are just starting out, some are thinking about it, some have been doing that for decades. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about things that uh, God is writing in men's lives, the stories. And today we're going to talk about something that's always fascinated me from a perspective of watching someone go from the private sector, running businesses, being involved in, in corporate world, to then making the transition into the public sector of serving their city, state, and government through running as a candidate, as a representative. And uh, we're here to talk to a man who's lost his mind is going to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> We do, and it's John Hodgson. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kurt. Thank yeah. you, Chad. Yeah, it's great to have you. And uh, yeah, yeah, we joke around before we started, like, have you lost your minds, John? <laughs> yeah, funny, everybody that's been in politics asked me that. <laughs> John, you, you were in the corporate world for how long? I was with UPS Airlines for 32 years, pretty much uh, shortly after college until I reached retirement age. And uh, even before UPS, uh, let's uh, let's talk about it. you. Grew up in Texas. Grew up in Texas in the 60s and 70s, and, and uh, it was very and, very hot there. My and parent. he he really grew in Texas. Do you want to tell everybody? <laughs> yeah, I, I you know listeners, um, I, I've called John my bodyguard for the last 22 years because John is one of the biggest guys I know. <laughs> He is six seven and uh, three something. Three something. <laughs> and uh, you used to do uh, was it karate or taekwondo? I did taekwondo, uh, judo, jujitsu for about sixteen years. All those really yeah. really enjoyed that. I remember that you said um, you could kick the top of a can off the top of a door. Uh, you know, back in the day, and I was like, "Huh, you can do that?" And yeah. So anyway, so we have been buddies for 20-some years, and I've just loved and appreciate your your wife and your family. You've been married to Robin how many years? 30 years. 30 years. Yep. I got two kiddos. Two um, kids, grown and married and gone, and we have uh, an empty nest. Uh, empty nesting, and uh, and you, you leave corporate world. And uh, so you were in, in 30 years, 32 years at UPS. Right. And... Um, and you've always been somewhat interested in government. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, growing up in Texas, of course, both my parents were military from World War II. My dad was a Marine pilot. My mother was an Air Force pilot and uh, you know, working for the government, basically. And strange situation, I had the opportunity to shake Richard Nixon's hand in Fort Worth in 1968. He became president, so I had his picture on the wall in my room up until Watergate when I took it down. <laughs> but, you know, I was always interested 
after that, having known the man that became president, I cast my first vote for Ronald Reagan. And over time as I became an adult, I got more involved in uh, working for candidates that supported my values, working at the polls on election day, um, you know, getting involved in some political policy stuff, some, you know, particular freedoms, pro-life and protecting the second amendment. And um, I guess I got, got really intense about politics, probably about 2009. I'd have to say my inspiration was Barack Obama. He uh, shoved the country so far to the left that we had to do something <laughs> in 2009. So that was uh, that was when the Tea Party was born. And and you just you sensed God was stirring in your heart. Well, I was really just living out my faith, you know, and saw that in order to live out my faith, I needed to have certain liberties in society, and I believed certain things should be legal and certain other things should be illegal. And a natural outgrowth of that is, you know, public policy and politics. You um. Dr. Patrick Morley says that nine out of 10 men in our country today who in our inner churches do not have a biblical worldview. And, and that means then that we're not, we're not living out of the framework of walking, following, obeying Jesus Christ and, and the biblical framework of, of scripture. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's deeply on your heart. It is. If you read in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 31, talking about the virtuous woman who can find her, it tells all kinds of qualities of her, but towards the very end of that chapter, it says that her husband is known in the city gates. And in that culture, the city gates are where the elders hung around in the city to talk about policy and politics and what they should do next as a city. So he was a, a public leader. How, yeah, how to take care of the city, how to take care of the people. Right. And there's a responsibility. Right. Um, you, you shared with us earlier um, I, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet. Right. Yeah. Jeremiah the prophet said, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So, uh, you know, the Bible says we are strangers and aliens exiled here to the earth. So we need to do what we can to be salt and light, not just in our neighborhoods, but in the government. The government is nothing more than a extension of the people in America. Yeah, back, that that was in the the nation of Israel was being conquered by the Babylonians. Right, K King Nebuchadnezzar was taking them out of the land of promise to the the kingdom of Babylon. Right, and and God was saying, "You pray for peace. You live for peace. You let your light shine, and and the welfare the welfare and the blessing of what's going to go on in here in the kingdom of Babylonia." is going to happen to you as well. Mm -hmm. And really, that's your heartbeat um, because God is laid on your heart now to run for office. Yes, I have lost my mind. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what office are you running for? And give us, give us some details. Yeah, I'm running for state representative in eastern Jefferson County. Uh, it's called District 36. It's basically Fisherville, Lake Forest, Middletown, those areas kind of east of the Gene Snyder to the county line. Uh, a friend of mine, Jerry Miller, was in that seat for uh, since 2014. He's retiring. Um, he let me know that, and, and I thought, well, I'm freshly retired. Maybe this is my turn, my so, turn to serve. So so you, you, you leave corporate America making pretty decent money, and now you're going for the big money. Yeah, it's totally financially <laughs> driven. So. Tell our listeners, uh, you don't have to give maybe the details, but I mean, this is a job that you are not um, even really compensated hardly for. 
Well, yeah, the state rep in Kentucky, I think the salary is somewhere around 15000 a year, and then you get some kind of an expense per diem, maybe another 15000 so maybe thirty grand total, but you got to get all the way to Frankfurt to uh, serve. And people who live two, three, four hours away have to get a residence in Frankfurt to make that work. So, yeah, you're in it for the money. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> no, you, you have, um, I sense that God has pressed this on your heart. Yes. And um, so uh, you actually served in one of the administrations. Talk about that just a minute. I did. Um, Matt Bevan got elected governor in uh, November of 2015. And the day after that election, I showed up in the Capitol, not even knowing where the men's room was but I was uh, the operations director for the transition team. And that's a group of people that get together, uh, not government employees yet, because he's not the governor yet, but you've got five weeks to spin up a government. That's a government that spends $10 billion a year and has 30,000 employees. And you've got to put leadership in place in all the different cabinets and figure out what's going on and come up with a budget and be ready five weeks from the election day to get inaugurated. It's one of the fastest timelines in America. And it was in spite of the fact that I worked for an overnight delivery company my whole life, that was still one of the uh, most intense five weeks that I've ever spent doing anything. Wow. But it was a joy. It was a joy. Absolutely. It was probably a highlight of my life. I was working harder than I ever had, sleeping less than I ever had, but uh, absolutely fantastic group of people. What, what, and, and why else was it such a joy? I mean, it's good folks, but what, what, why else? I think people sincerely working together for a cause that was bigger than themselves. I'd say overwhelmingly most of them were uh, at least nominal Christians, some of them very sin- sincere Christians. And, I mean, we were over our heads. I had no choice every every morning but to pray that God would, you know, I, I would say, God, be merciful to me, an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do that day, and I had a lot to do. You had and, a lot to do. and, yeah, and uh, Not and much a, time to do it. Wow. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk three more segments here with John. And, and he used a word that was really interesting before the show. He may, I think he used it while— he used the word policy. And we talk about, most people think about politics. We think about parties. But John says, I want to be policy driven. So we're going to talk what that looks like and why that is important for us in our world. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. We want to give thanks to our sponsors, uh, Ellen and Credit Union. They are a local lender and they help you do your commercial, private, uh, you name it, uh, Checking savings, auto, home, loans, LNN Credit Union can take care of you, all your financial needs. Vision First Eye Care, they've got 11 different cities in the Kentuckiana area, six in Louisville alone. If you need to see better, want to see about your eyesight or your eye health, Vision First Eye Care can take care of you. And then Frank Enterprises, if you have water running where it's not supposed to run outside of your home, a septic tank, landscaping, Frank Enterprises is the place to go. Give them a call. They can help you with all your needs. Okay, so John, why in the world? What's what is driving you to run for office, and the you know the reason in your heartbeat behind this? Well, I was uh, <clears throat> worked in the Bevan administration until the end of that, in the end of 2019, and then I was enjoying my first year of actual retirement. First time in 40 years, I hadn't been running 100 miles an hour. So I did a little education. I did uh, got in a PhD program at Liberty University for about a year. I was studying the founding fathers. Uh, the Constitution and the underpinnings of Greek and classical culture behind that. Um, took me about a year to kind of figure out I didn't really want to be an academic, but I liked what I was <laughs> liked what I was reading. But um, during that year of retirement, I was expecting to travel to see my kids, to do a whole 
you know, get more involved in church and do a lot of things. And all of a sudden, the governor that we had in Kentucky started limiting my rights as a citizen. First thing he did was close our churches, you know, my church in particular. It was Easter. We couldn't go to church on on Sunday. Um, I got involved with some uh, friends that sued him in federal court and won an injunction against that so that churches could reopen. Uh, it's, a, it's illegal under the First Amendment for a governor to say you can't have a church service, particularly if the governor is going to say that churches are non-essential, but liquor stores are essential and abortion clinics are essential. So the governor was picking and choosing and making value decisions about what was essential and unessential in the lives of private citizens. Clear violation of the First Amendment. So we've been fighting that for some time. Um, we saw also that uh, some other forces in our government were seeking to limit our freedom of speech. Uh, we went to protest some of the governor's actions, and he promptly threw us off the public lawn there at the uh, at the Capitol grounds in, in Frankfurt and uh, had police put up barricades so we couldn't get anywhere near his office to wave signs and protest, as people had every year for as long as I've been here. I had an office in the Capitol building. I had protesters out my window all the time. You just learn to deal with the noise and distraction and go on, but he didn't want any of that, so he locked us out of that area. We sued again. Uh, he had to provide some limited access for protests out there again. There again, also First Amendment, the right of the people to uh, peacefully assemble and redress government, uh, their grievances with government. So <clears throat> the thing that tr- truly animates me to run for office is not about getting potholes filled, all that's important, but about protecting the civil liberties of Americans. Our Declaration of Independence, which really formed the basis of America, said that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The reason that's important is because those rights do not come from government. They come from the creator God. Government is supposed to protect those rights. They're not supposed to grant the rights or take them away. In communist countries, the government is the grantor of rights. They decide if you can live or die. They decided if you can be free or go to the gulag. They decide if you can eat today. They decide if you can express your opinion. What makes America different is the fact that we believe that God gave us those liberties to be free and government's supposed to protect them. And when the government doesn't protect them or becomes hostile to them, it's our duty to change that form of government. In America, we have the ability, the American people are sovereign, we elect our leaders. And we, if we don't like what's going on, we have the ability to elect different ones. If we don't like laws, we have the ability to have create different laws. So that's why I'm there. I was hoping to just kind of be left alone in my golden years and <laughs> travel and garden and do some things, but uh, wasn't to be, so. I can tell that you have been, that, that, that the Lord has stirred in you, and there's not just a, uh, an interest personally, but I sense a spiritual movement that, hey, hey we, we need to make things right. Yes. And um, God is stirring that in your heart, which I yeah. love. Thank you. And one of the things that's happened in our society that is kind of a frustration to me is why aren't more Christians involved in politics? And I think I know the answer, and it was somewhat the answer in my life. Guys my age, we went to school, we got a job, we're working hard to, to, get, to get a wife, to have some children, to raise our family, to coach the ball team, to mow the grass on Saturday, get everybody to church on Sunday, and just that process of living life and doing what you're supposed to do with your, with your job and your wife and your kids was overwhelming. You know, maybe if you could, you know, watch the news once in a while and cast a vote, that was enough. But honestly, it's really not enough. You know, all those years, we sat back and we let these so-called experts run our government. Turned out a lot of those experts were self-serving and had a different value set than we do. 
And they've now taken over the government at all levels. So you hear people talk about the deep state. Well, there are tens of thousands of people that work in government that have a worldview that is way to the left of ours. Well, it's it's radical, in in and it's that it's against the word of God. Yes, and the essential part of that of that word, you know, the very first part of Genesis says, in the beginning, uh, you know, God created the heavens and earth. Well, that's the first part of the Declaration of Independence that the the Creator God created men equal and gave us inalienable rights. So the beginning of Genesis and the beginning of the Declaration of Independence have the same basis. If you remove that concept of a creator God granting us inalienable rights, then there is no basis for our American government. There, there is no basis for a, an atheistic, evolution-based, non-religious American government. If the creator God didn't give us inalienable rights, then there's not any difference between us and communist China. Well, when I've I've always looked at it like um, in, in in policy, when when we've allowed when Roe versus Wade happened, and we lost the what I I call it's not just abortion, we lost the sanctity of life. Yes, and I I call that the the top in a is your button in your shirt, the top button. If we don't understand that God is God and we He's the Creator and we are the creation, and that we don't get to choose who gets to live and who gets to die, and we are subject to him. Yes. So if we can't get that top button right, that he is God and we are not, all the other buttons get messed up. I totally agree. And when we begin to dictate um, that kind of mentality and, and allow it to happen, which we have. As Christians, we have allowed things to happen in this country that are just like appalling mm-hmm. to the lordship of Jesus and to honoring the living God. Back in the book of Genesis, God gave Adam dominion over the garden, supposed to look after it and care for it. Well, we haven't been looking after and caring for the garden the way we should, especially as men. If you look around at a lot of civic organizations, they're dominated by women. A lot of uh, churches are dominated by women. And you ask why that is? Well, the men won't do anything. So the women have to. And, and there's think, nothing wrong with women uh, serving and helping no. and, and, and leading and, and, and the whatnot. But men are, the first sin of Adam was his passivity. passivity yeah. They yeah. Ab- abrogated their responsibility yes. to, to lead and to. Uh, and so y- you think you're going to retire and think you're going to have your golden years and think you're just going to travel and go see your kids. And, like, oh, and the Lord's going, John. Got another task here. I got another task. What are some other reasons uh, why God prompted you, the, the rationale of why you want to uphold the Constitution, a whole biblical framework? What, what are some other reasons? You know, I started digging deeply into the writing of our founders, and I grew up in America just understanding the way America was, uh, just absorbed it from the from the atmosphere. I haven't hadn't read a lot about the founders, and I spent the last, uh, the year of 2020, doing a lot of that. And, th- and these men, for the most part, were profoundly Christian in their worldview. And I became inspired by some of their writings and to see how much they sacrificed, you know, the last part of the Declaration of Independence and said, we're pledging our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to this cause. And, uh, you know, America was the beacon of freedom in the world. The, the colonists came here to escape religious persecution and be able to practice their religion freely. We've taken that for granted. People can't do that around the world. And we've got, I think we've got this enormous gift that's been given us by God, and we've got to protect it. You know, American is, America is the beacon of light to the rest of the world, and it's because it was formed based on the natural law of the Creator, 
and by men who were devout Christians for the most part. Yeah, not perfect Christians. Not perfect. And 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 and, and you know, obviously some things that were you know that that they messed up on, you know. But for the for the most part, they really d- wanted to honor God. We see that in their writings. Chad, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. Yeah, we got a couple more segments. In, in the next couple of segments, we're going to talk and ask John this question is, if somebody is a Christ-following Bible believer, and if someone who has an opposite view of them, I'm going to ask you this question, you can answer it when it comes back, is how can he govern them in a fair way if they believe something so different than he does? So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. We want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank the Louisville Podcast Studios. That's podlou.com, P-O-D-L-O-U.com. If you want a professional-looking and sounding podcast, great atmosphere, video, you name it, podlou.com. Contact them. They can get you started. That's where we are today. Bright Star Home Care, if you know anyone who needs care in their home, whether they are once a week or 24-7, Bright Star Home Care can take care of your loved ones. Reach out to them at brightstarcare.com. Dan Hart Financial, if you need to talk about your finances and what retirement looks like in a, from a wisdom, biblical standpoint, Dan Hart can take care of you at that standpoint. And then Southern Smoke Catering Barbecue, they are our favorite sponsor. <laughs> we say that because they, they have great award-winning barbecue, Chris they, Hadley and his crew. They feed us. They do. And uh, Southern Smoke Catering Barbecue, that's southernsmokecatering.com. Well, Chad, you were going to, uh, you, you started to ask John a question, and uh, I, I wanted you to come right back with it in, yeah, this, se- in this if, segment. If you're just joining us, the the first, last segment I asked John this question, who, who's making this transition in, and he's a, you know, he knows where his policy is. He knows where his viewpoint, his view, worldview is. And if someone says, well, I don't believe in the Bible, I don't believe in God, how can you, someone who is a Christian, no matter what role you're in, how can you govern me fairly if we have such different worldviews. You're going to hear that a lot. What would be your response be? A lot of people don't really understand what politics is. Politics is the adjudication of power between competing interest groups without shedding of blood. Once you start shedding blood, you've got a war or a revolution or a civil war, something like that. Politics was just said, you know what, we're going to talk, we're going to negotiate, we're going to figure out how to work this out in a way that's agreeable enough to all of us that we're not going to shed blood over it. Okay, we reached the point with England we couldn't do that anymore, so we had a bloody revolution. We reached the point in America that we couldn't agree on slavery anymore in 1860, so we had a bloody civil war. Um, happens in countries all over the world all the time. Could happen here again. Uh, but obviously it's all in all of our best interests if we can talk about it instead of actually resorting to bloodshed to adjudicate that power between complete competing interests. But I would say the reason that it would work with someone with my viewpoint I wouldn't say ruling over, but let's say administering part of the government is because I believe in following the rules and fair play. You know, if we're going to have a boxing match, uh, you know, the guy always comes out first and says, okay, guys, no low blows and, you know, no kidney punches. Well, if one of the comp- competitors at boxing match pulls out a club and starts beating the other one, well, he's, he's cheated. I would view that from my worldview and say, well, that's wrong. He's disqualified. He pulled out a club. Somebody else might say, I don't believe in your rules. <laughs> I'm going to pull out a club. So, you know, I believe in, managing by agreement. I believe this in the business world. We set up the parameters that we're all going to have ground rules for this meeting. Here's how we're going to agree. Here's how we're going to disagree. You can do that in public policy as well. 
And there's still going to be contentious issues that you can't reach a compromise on, but you can get close enough that people can say, okay, I'm, I can live under that. Well, I think it also goes back to the Constitution and, and how it was written to try to be as fair as possible. You want to speak into that? Yes. A couple hundred years ago, 13 American colonies were all very, very different. They were all self-governing. They had their own individual constitutions, their own state legislatures, but they had profoundly different religions in the colonies. You had, especially up in the Northeast, it was uh, Puritans and Reformed theologic people. They're very, very, they, they came to America from a religious basis. The ones that settled in Virginia and started growing tobacco was almost a pure profit motive. They had some state churches there, but they were more focused on money than they were on bringing the kingdom of God to earth. When those colonies went to form a government, they did not want the government of Massachusetts telling them how to live in Virginia and, and vice versa. So they formed a federal government that had very limited powers. You know, you're going to be able to raise an army, protect the nation, protect the borders, but inside your state, you're going to manage affairs the way you see fit. And then beyond that, inside of those states, when you got down to a local government, uh, each locale would elect a sheriff that would enforce the laws and collect the taxes. That's actually in the Constitution, the role of sheriff, uh, service the courts and, and collect the taxes for the realm there. So that there's a distinction that goes back hundreds of years between the federal government, the state government, and the local government, separate spheres of influence. And then off to the side, you have the, go- the governance of the local church body and the governance within a family. And the Bible, I believe, sets all those things up as separate spheres of influence. They touch, they overlap in some places, but they are separate spheres of influence. Talk with us about your heart for the state government and how the federal government has continued to grow and expand and the difference where what it is now, what it was back 200 years ago. Yeah, so before World War II, people didn't know a lot about the federal government. You know, that's, uh, but we, we had enormous government growth out of World War II. And the federal government started encroaching on things that the states used to take care of for a couple hundred years before that and jealously protect that power. And they did it by kind of bribing the states. They're saying, well, we've got a grant program. We're going to give you these millions of dollars, but you've got to teach these certain things in your schools. And then we'll give you this money. Or we've got all this housing money for you, but you've got to implement this social reengineering housing policy we've got. So the federal government under the Constitution doesn't have the authority to do a lot of the things that they do. But the state governments, unfortunately, have willingly surrendered some of their sovereign power in exchange for money. And that's weakened the state governments. And part of what we need to see is a political revival in America where local and state governments reclaim their autonomy from the federal government and start carrying out the role that they're supposed to under the Constitution. Um, Because trust me, there are forces out there at the city, state, federal, and international level that are elitists that would gladly rule over us from now until kingdom come if we let them. And... For instance, uh, last night I was watching a program, Mayor Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, who said the murders are out of control in Chicago. She needs federal law enforcement in there to take care of it for her. Well, why in the world? It's the third biggest city in America. They've had a crime problem for a long time. She could be hiring and training police and not letting murderers out of jail. But she is specifically asking for federal police to come in there. These are police that come in that are not accountable to being elected by a local official. Uh, you know, they, who, who knows who's behind the behind the face shield when federal police come in. If, you know, national police are what you see in Nazi Germany. That's what you see in Russia. That's what you see in China. That's what you see in Venezuela. Uh, We don't want a national police force coming into our communities 
in solving crime here. You know, for instance, people don't realize that, uh, let's say I don't like Chad and I kill him. Well, that murder is a state crime. That's not a federal crime. You know, it wouldn't, we couldn't go to a federal court over that. That's a state, state matter. In the beginning of the show, before we were talking, I got a specific lesson myself. I'm somebody who has been reasonably following what's going on around me for the past, you know, my adult life. But I learned something today. We were talking about the border and how um, Texas right now is is I, I didn't I hadn't read that, but they were apparently planning to build their own border. And I thought, well, I wonder why that hasn't happened a long time ago, where the local states would just not build their own border and not worry about what the federal government was doing. But then the politician to be here, who's well read on this and versed on it, you told me what? Because in the Constitution, the federal government is charged with protecting the sovereign borders of the United States and immigration and who can come in the country or not. Uh, so those federal border control points are actually federal installations. Now, once they step foot out of that immigration control point, they're in the state of Texas, and Texas may tell them, hey, you're driving your car too fast or mm-hmm. you know, all these other things. But the federal government has abrogated their responsibility to protect the sovereign borders of our nation, which in turn was protecting Texas. So the Texas governor said, enough, we're going to put up. We're going to put up our own wall. Our own wall. Which is the opposite mentality of Lightfoot in Chicago. 100%. She's, she's going to bring in, she's once federal people, and Texas is saying, no, we are yeah. going to, we will protect our own people. Yes. We're going to put up the wall. The federal government isn't going to do that. And your heartbeat is, we need to run our own state. You know, right. I mean, use use federal when we need to I, I, or you know, give, give me your thoughts on that we need to run our own affairs uh, and we need the the money that the federal government gives to states and locales is like crack cocaine they get addicted to it they can't do without it and it's very hard to do without it in fact the Kentucky budget is around 10 or 11 billion dollars a year well there's another 20 billion dollars that comes in from the federal government in terms of payments to individuals uh, you know, welfare, federal unemployment, Medicaid, things like that. So two-thirds of the government dollars that get spent in America don't come from Kentucky. They come from the feds. Mm. And ironically, it's states like New York and California that are paying into the federal coffers that <laughs> pay that money to pay Medicaid in Kentucky. That's incredible. You also mentioned um, before the show today that the state of Kentucky is how many? Some, something in excess of $60 billion in the hole, underfunded particularly in in our pension funds, to the tune of around $60 billion plus, worst funded pension programs in America. Been trying to fix them for a number of years, but basically it's the fruit of underfunding, criminally underfunding them for 30 or 40 years. And that's a legal obligation we have to people. People worked for a whole career and retired with the understanding this money's going to come, and they may live another 30 or 40 years, and they're expecting a paycheck. So we, we as a state can't get out of that. The only... We're either going to have to raise taxes to pay for it, or we're going to have to create economic growth to bring in more taxpayers and more sales tax revenue to cover that. Well, we're going to take a break and come back for a fourth and final segment, talk more about this transition and, and the biblical worldview and how it affects, uh, in a positive light, the uh, public sector. So we're going to take a break here shortly and be back on Solid Steps Radio. We want to thank our sponsors of our show, Iroquois Family in cosmetic dentistry, Dr. Eric Veal and Leah Viola. They support our show and they work on teeth and they do it really good. And they, they do two, are fantastic. Two locations job. in the Louisville area, so please look them up. Uh, we also want to thank the Southeast Outlook. They have been writing the stories that God has been writing over the past two decades all around the world. And uh, we want to thank them for our sponsorship and Veritech Generator. If you need a generator for your 
home or business, or you have a generator that needs servicing, Veritech Generator can take care of you. So, John, okay, you, you're going to get elected. Uh, I'm, I'm going to vote for you. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's say you, you, you got into the office tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What would be your top changes real quick? Okay, the very first thing that I'm going to do is be vigilant in protecting our civil liberties from the encroachment of the state government and the federal government because they are coming for us fast and hard. And a lot of what you do in the legislature is you play defense. There are about 1,000 bills put forward every year and only about 100, 200 of them ever see the light of day. So part of what you have to do is kill bad bills that seek to restrict your freedom, seek to increase your taxes, seek to do bad things you don't even want to know about. So protecting our constitutional liberties is first and foremost. Second, we've got to grow our economy. And a lot of that means reducing the burdensome regulation on business to free up business so businesses can open, so they can operate, so they can uh, employ people to pay taxes so that we can meet our obligations. Kentucky right now is the worst in the entire nation in terms of jobs. This is a disaster that our governor has brought upon us with his foolish response to the uh, COVID pandemic. All states face the same public health crisis. Kentucky messed it up worse than anybody. And we now have not only the worst worst funded pension system in America, but we have the worst job picture of any state in America. So we've got to get our financial house back in order and allow people to get to work. And then I think the things that we do in government, we've got to streamline regulations so we do them more efficiently and more effectively. We've got to fill potholes. Let's see if we can fill potholes more efficiently and more effectively. That sounds like common sense. Common sense. The only kind I've got. (laughs) But my next question to you, John, is... um, I grew up thinking that, hey, hey I voted, and uh, and that's it. You, you either run for office and and you vote, and there's really nothing in between. There's a huge number of things in between that I think, if you're a maturing Christian man, that you should become involved in. Uh, and I would say, obviously, voting is uh, it's really an ex- expectation. I mean, people have died through the years to enable you to have that right to vote, but... Um, back that up a stage, do you want to have some influence on who you're voting for? Uh, the big chance to have an influence on politics is in the primary. Because there may be eight, nine, ten people in a primary, and you can find the one, interview them, find out who close, most closely matches your worldview and your values. You can help them, you can work for them, you can knock doors for them, you can give them money and make sure they're on the election in November. Because so many times in November you go, oh, it's just you know the red knucklehead against the blue knucklehead. I, you know, I don't like either one of them. I don't want to vote. Well, that's because you're a year late. You need to get involved before the primary in helping identify those candidates that represent your worldview and promoting them. And, and let me tell you what, there's people that do that on the left very, very, very effectively. Uh, we don't do that very well on the, on the right uh, for some reason. But I think we need more people in, in politics. Second thing that you can do is we have elections every couple of years here. How many of us have ever worked the polls? Uh, you have to take a day of vacation from work. It's a long difficult day, but if you if you don't have honest, hardworking people being vigilant at the polls, we're going to get cheated. People have been cheating in elections since the dawn of time. They will cheat if you're not looking. So um, we need people, and in this day and age, unfortunately, it even gets kind of rough at the polls. We need uh, people who aren't afraid of getting yelled at and being threatened and intimidated to work the polls and ensure that things are carried on honestly. Um, Jefferson County, people don't realize that the Board of Education here spends twice as much as the rest of county government. There's seven members of that school board. Who are they? Can you name yours? Probably not. Um, citizens need to run for school board. 
or they need to find a school board member they can get behind and support them. Will that school member, school board member encourage fiscal responsibility? Will they encourage the teaching of things that are appropriate uh, for our children to learn? Are they going to teach them how to hate, hate themselves and hate each other and hate America? You know, that's, that's a critical issue of the day. Critical race theory is being forced on students in a lot of uh, locales, and it's being outlawed in a bunch of other states. Uh, there's a, a bill before the legislature in Kentucky to outlaw the force feeding of critical race theory to our kids. And again, that's a theory that teaches kids to hate how they were born, hate each other, and hate America. So uh, if you see something like that coming up, if you see a bill that you like or a bill that you don't like, you can call your state representative. You can email them. You can text them. You can leave them a message. You'd be surprised how few people call in on bills. In a state of 4.3 million people, just a few hundred phone calls can make a difference on whether a bill gets passed or not. So that's how you can get involved. Work, you know, help find people to run for office uh, early in the primary. Support them with your money. Support them with your time. Work the elections on election day as a paid poll worker. Um, get involved in the school board. Get involved in your uh, homeowners association. I mean, that's kind of the smallest unit of government we have. You know, everybody hates them, but you're kind of necessary. So, if somebody wanted to say, "I like this guy," I have never seen Big John Hodgson, and I'm just listening to this uh, this show. And they said, hey, I, I'd like to get connected to this guy. I, I think he's spot on on some of these things that are dear to my heart. How would they get in touch with you, and how could they support you, and how could they you know, connect you? You bet. Um, with you. First off, on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, uh, you can go. there's a group called Hodgson for Kentucky. That's H-O-D-G-S-O-N for Kentucky. Uh, you can follow me there. You can also go to my website, which is H-O-D-G-S-O-N, the number 4KY.com, Hodgson4KY.com. Got all my email uh, contact information and love to communicate with you. Love to come talk to your group, talk to your neighborhood. Yeah, you, you are open to talking and coming and sharing your heart, your vision. Absolutely. Your plan um, after election, what you would like to see happen. That's right. And I would like to help mobilize other people that share the kind of worldview we have to get involved. Because it's not it's not just you. It's not just me. You you are saying we we have as Americans and we really as Bible believing Christians, our our Christian faith is being pushed against. Yes. Talk about that. We were under assault like never before with the globalist agenda. They want to force God out of our government. They want to Communist governments are atheists. They believe that the government grants the right to life and liberty. And they'll decide who lives, who dies, who goes to jail, who doesn't go to jail. America is different. We've got to keep that. If we if we hope to be practicing Christians, if we hope to be able to go to church on Sunday, if we hope to be able to share our faith, uh, raise our kids in the way we see fit, we've got to push back on the encroachment of those civil liberties. But this is a team sport. Uh, nobody does it by themselves. You know, you need friends, you need supporters, you need donors, you need door knockers. You need people that will call Frankfurt when bills get there. If the best bill in the world comes to Frankfurt, you still have to come up with 51 votes to get it passed. So it's very much a team sport. You know, I've linked arms with a number of conservative legislators who have endorsed me and hope to go to Frankfurt and help get some very conservative things over the finish line with those folks. But um, it's, it's interesting. The people who have become involved in this get pretty deep pretty quick because they're like, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm really cranked up about this. I want to get involved. When you called me and I go, John, I want to talk with you about this. I want to do a show with you regarding this because I appreciate you and I love your values. And I I love that you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so does your bride, Robin. 
and have appreciated you guys dearly. And I'm just grateful for you coming in and sharing your heart today, brother. Thanks for having me. You bet. Would you pray for us guys sure. that we would be men of courage? Pray for sure. us. Lord, I just pray that uh, as you charged Adam in the Garden of Eden to have uh, take care of the garden and have dominion over it, that you'd help us, especially as men, just to take that proactive role in our in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and to uh, get off the couch and get involved and advocate for the things that matter to you and the things that matter to our for our wives and our children and the freedoms in our country. And I just pray for your wisdom, God, your guidance, that we would do all things in a way that would please you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks a ton for coming in. Appreciate Thanks, brother. it. Appreciate, Appreciate it, John. So you heard the show today, and we said in the beginning, we all we talk, we want to talk more about than just sports, weather, and politics. And the kind of politics we were talking today, I don't think it's the kind of politics you're talking about at the barbecue. You're talking about candidates and who you like, who you don't like, what they say, what they don't say. But what we talked about today is really policy and not people so much as personas and, and, and surface level things. We're talking about uh, things that affect your whole life. We are here today because we're free. And the freedom we have is because people have said we will be willing to sacrifice nothing short of death for that freedom. Well, Jesus said it is for freedom. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he died so we could be free, not just from a horizontal standpoint, but from a vertical standpoint, free from the penalty of sin and adopted into the family of God. And if you're not in the family, we know the only way you can be is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for the people who serve for our freedom in our country, but also we thank you, Jesus, for your freedom that you provided for us. And we pray that you will walk with him in freedom. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. I am standing.